Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. need y'all today. I'm going to need, I'm gonna need that, that, that Pentecostal church to come out today. Amen. And it's been, um, it's been amazing. It's been an amazing weekend. For those of you who don't know, the Spanish, um, the women in the Spanish congregation, they had their women's conference on, on Friday and Saturday, and I was privileged enough to play drums for those services. And man, it was amazing. All right, the Holy Spirit was really moving, and, and I love what Pastor Melissa said. She said, it's not just because it's a Spanish service, because when the Spirit falls, the Spirit falls in all languages, amen? And so it was just amazing to be here during those times, to see the Holy Spirit fall. Um, all weekend, God has been confirming and reiterating this word, and, and I truly believe um, this word is for us this morning. I truly believe he's going to strengthen us. He's going to restore us. He's going to renew us. He's going to renew some trust, some faith this morning. And so I know this word is from him. Every song that we sang this morning has something to do with either trusting in God or knowing that he is great and just calling him and telling him that he is great. We even sang Beautiful Story, and we haven't sang that song in I don't know how many years. And when I seen it, I, I, I thought there couldn't be a more perfect fitting song than Beautiful Story and Waymaker. And so before I get started, I do want to acknowledge and and thank Pastor Ryan for this opportunity. Um, It's always an honor and a privilege to get behind the pulpit and bring the word. And it truly is something that um, I know everybody that he entrusts with the responsibility really does take it serious. And so I want to thank him for that opportunity this morning. Secondly, like they mentioned, if you're visitors, welcome to this house. If you're um, looking for a church to connect to or looking for a church you'd like to get plugged into, we'd love to have you here at Numa. And you can meet with our uh, hospitality team out in the foyer after service if you'd like to get connected. Along with that, if you're a visitor and this is your first time, and you leave thinking, man, this guy sucks. There's good news because next week Pastor Narayan will be back. So at least give us another chance next week. And then you can make your decision, you know. <laughs> but before we get started, I'd like to pray. Um, so I'm going to ask that we stand to our feet as we pray. And then we'll read our first verse for the day. So thank you, Father God, for allowing us to be here this morning. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful service and this beautiful time of worship, Father. Thank you because your Holy Spirit is in this place, Father God. I ask that you open up our hearts in our minds to receive your word, Father God, I ask that you allow me to be a vessel that you use this morning to speak to your people the same way you've been speaking to me all week, Father. We pray that we be sensitive to your Holy Spirit as you move in this place. Amen. So before I give you my title, I'll give you my title and we'll get into the verse. But before I give you my title, there's two things um, I want to get out the way. For one, I know I'm going to lose your attention for at least a couple of seconds, okay? I'm going to lose your attention. And second, because I'm going to lose your attention, I hope that it's a reminder when you hear this um, that you'll always think of not just this sermon, but of how faithful our God is. Amen. So the title of my sermon is Don't Stop Believing. Y'all can finish that. Hold on to that feeling. All right, we got out of the way. 
Okay. First verse, Genesis 12, 1 through 5. I'll give you a second to turn there. It should really only take a second. but Genesis 12, 1 through 5. And it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And uh, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse 4 says, Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So Abram took his wife Sarai and his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions, and all they had gathered, and all the people that had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. So you can be seated this morning. Today I have four points that I want to cover. So for all my note takers, there's four points we're going to cover today. And um, throughout the sermon, I have different verses. They're not all going to be on the screen, but feel free to write them down or follow along in your Bible as we go through these verses. So the four points I want to cover today are going to be centered and focused around faith and promises. And as Alexa and my mom were speaking, I was like, stop stealing my sermon. Stop taking my notes. Um, I have the first point that we're going to get to today is the promise. The promise, right? In Genesis 12, we have this dialogue between God and Abram, where God is telling Abram that of him will come a great nation, right? He says, go to this land, and Abram On your journey, he tells them, I want to reassure you, I'll always be with you, right? Anybody who blesses you, I'm going to bless them. Anybody who curses you or dishonors you, I will curse and dishonor. And so he kind of reiterates that, and he tells them, look, every step of the way, I'm going to be with you, and I got your back. And sometimes it's so easy for us to forget that ourselves, right? We go on a journey, or we have this promise, or we have something that we're striving towards, and it's so easy to forget that God is with us every step of the way, So as I'm speaking, I'm sure some of you are already thinking about a promise that you're holding on to from God or something that you're waiting on. And so intentionally, I want us to think about what has God promised you and what did God say he would do for you and your family? God's promise was with Abram, but it wasn't just for Abram. And we'll get into that. A little bit more as well. So at, at this point in the scripture, it tells us he's 75 years old. I'd like to think that in his wisdom, um, there was that in his wisdom is why there was no lack or no documented interaction with God. Right. God says, hey, go to this land and take everything you have. And he, scripture says he gets up and he goes. Right. It's unlike the Moses uh, where we hear him having a discussion with God and listing all these things of why he's not capable, of why he's not fitting, of why he shouldn't be called, of why he should call somebody else. But Abram, in his wisdom, gets up and he follows God and there's no documented resistance or, or pushing back on what God is asking him. So some more notable biblical promises that I thought were worth mentioning, the Israelites who wandered in the, in the wilderness for 40 years, who were also tied to Abram in this promised land. God's promise to never flood the earth again after Noah's ark. 
David being anointed king and waiting many years before receiving the official title in the kingdom. And of course, the best promise of all, Jesus starting his ministry at the age of 30 and fulfilling the promise spoken all throughout the Old Testament that was also tied to Abram. So after the receiving of the promise, after the initial receiving of the promise, we have the journey. This is my second point this morning, the journey. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm going to share uh, a testimony this morning, and I kind of debated on, on, on putting it in here or not, um, just because I don't like for things to get misinterpreted or misunderstood, or I don't want to sound boastful in some way, but I felt that it was very fitting to the message in the sermon. A couple years back, this is right at the beginning of the COVID pandemic. The COVID pandemic was just about to start. I was working a good steady job. I had been there about a year, maybe a year and a half. And so I had more responsibilities than I had when I initially got hired, right? I was, I was given more responsibilities. I was given more duties. And so I was kind of proving myself as an employee and as a worker, right? So I felt at this time, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for a raise, right? I was looking at my, my finances, and I was looking at my relationship with my wife, who wasn't my wife at the time, and thinking the idea of buying a ring and a house and getting engaged and getting married was more realistic, but it would be good if, like, I had a little bit more money, right? So I go to my manager, and I ask him, hey, you know, it's been X amount of time. I feel like I'm worthy. I feel like I've earned it. I feel like I deserve it you know, can I get a raise? And so the way it works is I would speak to my manager and he would speak to his manager and then he would get the answer, right? So he goes and he says, hey, look, the COVID, you know, the the pandemic just started. He said, I can't promise you that we'll give you more money. We all know um, at the beginning, we didn't know what to expect, right? We didn't know um, what it was, how long it was going to last. We didn't know as a business owner, you know, they're thinking about how this is going to impact my business, and all those things. And so he goes and he asks. He said, I'll go ask, but I can't guarantee you anything. I don't want to get your hopes up. So I said, okay, right, what more can I ask for? So he goes and he asks him. And he comes back and he says, hey, they said not right now, but just wait a little bit longer. So I said, okay. So I wait a little bit longer. And I keep working and I keep working. And I ask again. And he says, wait a little bit longer. And we must have went through that three or four times where I ask him and I'm like, hey, is it coming? Hey, is it coming? Just wait a little bit longer. Give me a little more time. Wait a little bit longer. Give me another time. Don't leave. Wait a little bit longer. Give me more time. And I grew very frustrated, very frustrated in my situation, right? Because I was fixated and stuck on the fact that I had earned what I was asking for, right? You, you gave me set money to do set responsibilities and I'm doing more. I deserve more. And so I'm asking in my frustration that I've done it, I've earned it, I've done it myself, I've worked for it, I've earned it, I deserve it, it's because of the things that I've done that I deserve this raise. And it wasn't until my frustration of getting turned down time and time and time and time again that I finally went to God and I finally said, okay, I need you to tell me what I need to do, right? I go to God and I say, look, you know, I want to I wanna pursue... Um, getting married. You know what I want. You know the things that I'm asking for. I said, but I'm getting shut down time and time and time again. And so I was not willing to up and leave that job and go somewhere else without talking to God. But my mistake was not letting God dwell in my now, not letting God dwell 
in my circumstance. And so I want to get to Genesis 12, 7. We just read 1 through 5. But Genesis 12, 7. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Abram was promised this land by God. And when he moved, because God instructed him to, he didn't leave and abandoned that communication. He made space for God to dwell in his now. And that was so impactful, so impactful for me when I was going through it because I was ready to, to go to God in my frustration. And when I had finally hit the breaking point where I knew I couldn't do anything, so now I could run to God and now I could ask him to do it because I know that he can make a way, right? But Abram, in this story, he leaves, he leaves his father's house he, he gets up, he takes his wife, he takes his nephew, he takes everything he owns, and the Lord tells him, leave everything you know behind, leave your father's house, go into this land that you have no idea of, and he goes, but he says, I'm not going unless I build an altar for you, right? I may not know where I'm going, I may not know where you're taking me, I may not know what I'm surrounded by, but if one thing's for certain, I have to build an altar so that I can have that communication with you. He didn't abandon him, and he didn't abandon that communication no matter where he was on his journey and no matter where he was with God. It was that moment of frustration that I finally went to God in prayer, and I said, you can take control. I said, if you want me to leave, I'll leave. If you want me to stay, I'll stay. But I need you to reassure me that I'm doing what you want me to do. And it wasn't until I finally said, God can have control that a couple weeks later, I get a call on the way home, and they say, hey, you're getting that raise. I get a couple, I get a, amen. I get a, I get a call a couple weeks after that, and they say, hey, and we're going to give you a company truck. And so all of that to say, again, the, the lesson in that that I truly carry to this day is that if I would have got it, church, before my prayer, I genuinely would have believed it's because I've earned it. It wasn't because God had blessed me. It wasn't because God had made a way. It wasn't because despite the pandemic that we lived in for almost three and a half years that I was able to get a raise in a company truck. It was because I had earned it. I had done the work. I deserved it. This is, this is what's owed to me, right? All they're giving me is what I've already earned. Like, it's already been mine. And in that, in that prayer, I was really, truly able to acknowledge and thank God for the blessing that he had given me. Amen. Genesis 15 is our next verse. Genesis 15, 1 through 6. Verse 1 says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so my servant in my house will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son of yours, a son who is your own flesh and blood, will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the stars and count the stars. If you indeed can count them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring breathe. 
Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. So here sometime along his journey, some time has passed between chapter 12 and this verse here in chapter 15, right? And we know at the beginning of this, he was 75 years old. And so he's going and he's, he's following in, the, in, the God's, in God's footsteps and he's following his words and he's following the things that he's asking of him. But we go time and time again where he's coming to God and he's saying, but when? But when, right? I'm 75 years old, right? How many things are you holding on to this morning that you're looking around at your circumstances and you're thinking, but how? When? Like, it, it doesn't make sense. You're telling me, but God, if you didn't already know, I'm 75. My clock is ticking. Like, we only got so much time. We only got so much time. Right. And, and he's going to God. And I know many of us can relate in this instance where we go into God after a promise or something will be given or words spoken over us or our family and our children. And it's not come to pass. And we're like, God, but when? Right. When we're looking around and we're looking at our circumstances and all you see is that it could potentially get more bleak. And you're coming to God and you're questioning him. But you told me that this was going to happen. Right. And so going back. To Genesis 15, verses 7 through 11, it says, He also said to him, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Ur, the, uh, the Chaldeans, to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer and a goat and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these things to him, cut them in two, and arranged them in the halves opposite of each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abraham drove them away. I want to read that again. Then the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abraham drove them away. This leads me to my third point this morning. We have to protect the promise. We have to protect the promise. Verses 10 and 11, God is instructing Abram, and he's asking him to do two, uh, he's asking him to do specific things, right? So there's two things at work here. For one, he's following the instructions that God had gave him. And two, he's ensuring the purity of the blessing and the offering that he's bringing before the Lord. I thought it was it was it was a uh, it stuck out to me and highlighted to me so many times when I read that because why mention that he was protecting the carcasses right what significance does that really add to the story what significance does that really make to the story but it is important because he was ensuring the purity of the sacrifice and the blessing that he was bringing before the lord and so in scripture in this time for context, right, he's bringing these animal sacrifices because it was the way of the Old Testament, right? Before the Lord came and he was the ultimate sacrifice and paid the price. There was these orders that he was following to God as far as this animal um, sacrificial um, offering towards the Lord. And so he's doing that in the sense to follow God's will and to do what he's saying. And so we don't offer animals as a sacrifice, right? So how do we protect our promise in modern times. Faith and works. Faith and works is how we protect our promise. James 2, 14 through 17 says, 
What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace and be warmed and filled, without giving them things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, by faith itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Can I ask you to come, Pastor Danny? To to the stage, please. We're going to do a little illustration this morning. Because sometimes, church, you can stand next to me. Sometimes, church, part of protecting the promise is, is sharing your promise with other people. Sometimes part of protecting the promise is helping get somebody alongside you to fight for your promise and to fight for the word that's been spoken over your life, right? And so how you discern and how you share your promise or who you choose to share your promise to, that's between you and God and your discernment, right? I want to speak to the people who are entrusted. If you're entrusted with somebody else's promise, shame on us, church, for not praying for them and going to war with them. If they're trusting us with their promise, if they're trusting us with somebody, something that God gave them, shame on us, church, for not fighting. Because you know what? God gave you the word, but now it's our promise. He gave you the word, but now it's our burden. He gave you the word, but now it's our prayer. Now it's our war. Now it's our time to get on our knees to spiritual prayer and to say, you know what? It may be your promise, but when it comes to pass, I'm going to rejoice just as much as you. You know why? Because we're fighting together, baby. Amen. We need to fight, church. We need to fight. We need to fight even if it's not our promise as if it is. Part of protecting the promise is staying in the word and staying in prayer and connecting to God. And so another example of faith and works. This is a, a very famous scripture. Mark 2 verses 1 through 5. I'll give you a second to turn there. Mark 2 verses 1 through 5. The scripture reads, and when he returned to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was home, he being Jesus. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them, and they came bringing to him a paralytic man carried by four men. And when they could not get near because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they made an opening, they let him down on the bed which the paralytic lay. Jesus saw their faith, and he said to the, paralytic, to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. I read that. I've read it, I'm sure, like many of us, a bunch of times. And I was, I was preparing, and I was going through, and I said, how can you see faith? How can you see something that's untangible? Right? How can you can't go out and just buy faith or grab faith? You can't hold it. And so how why would he say he saw their faith? The definition of faith, according to the English dictionary, is a strong belief in God or in doctrine of a religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. A strong belief in God 
or in doctrines of a religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. What God saw was their actions, right? What God saw was their strong belief in, in, um, in doctrine, their strong belief in him that he could do it. That apprehension is why he saw their, their, their faith. And so going to that point of, of fighting and, and going against along with somebody, seeing their faith, they open the roof, knowing if we could just get our friend close enough, there's somebody in there who can make this transformation. If we could just get him close enough, there's somebody who can make a way. We may not be able to walk there, but we can pick him up and we can set him there. And so what he saw was their faith and their belief in him because they said, we've heard of the wonders that he's done. We've heard of the miracles that he's performed. And we know if we can get our friend in his presence, he can be transformed. Esther 4, 15 through 17, another very famous scripture. Verse 15 reads, Then Esther replied to Mordecai, Go gather all of the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, and though it is against the law, if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther ordered. Esther, on the third day, this is verse, uh, this is chapter 5, verse 1. On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner courts of the king's palace in front of the king's quarters. While the king was sitting at his royal throne inside the throne room opposite the entrance of the palace, When the king saw Queen Esther standing in the courts, she won favor in his sight. He held out the golden scepter that was in his hand. Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. And the king said to her, What is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given to you even to the half of my kingdom. In every single one of these verses, Esther, Mark, and James, There's a a combination of faith, works, fasting, prayer, dedication, sacrifice onto and before the Lord. And what's what's great, church, is that every single one of these circumstances, at the heart of it, they did their preparations before the Lord, and they went on the assignment that they knew that they had to do. But regardless of the outcome, they would have been okay. Regardless of their ideal outcome, it would have been okay. I want us to turn to Romans 4, starting with verse 16. I'll give you a second to get there. Romans 4, 16, and it'll be up on the screen so you can follow along. It says, this is, um, this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church. And these first couple verses, he's, he's talking about the justification of faith. And he's speaking specifically 
about to the story of Abram. So verse 16 says, This is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all of his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares faith of Abraham, who is the father of all of us, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed. He, uh, who gives life who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against all hope that he should become the father of many nations. And he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken, somebody say weaken, weaken in his faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. And when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that the God that God was able to do what he had promised. This is why faith was counted to him as righteousness, but the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but our but our ours also. It will be counted to us, somebody say us, who believe in him who was raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Guys, this is the heart of the gospel. This is the heart of the gospel. He says you can't just do it with works. You have to have faith. But if you have faith and you believe like Abraham, we're all descendants of children of Abraham. If we can have faith like our father and believe in God and believe and acknowledge in our hearts and our minds that he's raised from the dead, that he was a sacrifice, that he paid the price. And now all we have to do is come and surrender and say, Lord, I am yours. It's the heart of the gospel church. There's no checklist you have to accomplish. There's no, you haven't been a Christian for five years. There's no bucket list or checklist or things that you have to get done. Faith and works and acknowledgement that he was the ultimate sacrifice in our justification. This leads me to my last point this morning. Faith beyond us so far we've covered the promise we've covered the journey we've talked about protecting the promise and now faith beyond us the total timeline between chapter 12 where abram was given the promise at the age of 75 and chapter 21 where scripture tells us that sarah gave birth was 25 years 25 years, 25 years of hearing the promise, 25 years of where throughout he was seeking reassurance, he was doubting, he was saying, he was seeing and telling God all the reasons why it wouldn't or couldn't happen. 25 years where he even tried taking matters into his own hands and tried to complete the promise through his way and his timing and not God's. 25 years of persistence. 25 years where throughout he sought God, 25 years where he trusted, 25 years where he heard from God and ultimately saw the promise. I said earlier this morning that the promise was with Abraham, but it wasn't just for Abraham. 
Abraham did see part of the promise become reality before his very eyes, but he didn't see the fulfillment of that promise in his lifetime. Sometimes, church, God will call us, challenge us, and burden us with the hard work of being first. Abram was charged with the promise and covenant of being first. He's admitted he sees himself this way. He's a man who didn't grow up in church, didn't know God. He surrendered himself to be first for his family and his children. Sometimes having the discipline of laying the foundation is more important than building the structure. Sometimes having the discipline of knowing that setting the foundation can't be rushed while having the humility to do the work and knowing we may never get the worldly acknowledgement. I wanted to make sure I said worldly because it is possible to get acknowledgement from others but I think it's more likely and more possible that we don't right everyone's in all of a building when the wall goes up everyone's in all of a building when the carpet's in everyone's in all of the building when it's finished and it's furnished how many people sit back and ask who built the foundation who ensured that this building wouldn't crumple, right? I'm sure he'd say the same thing about your dad and the things that he did to help prepare him for the man of God that he is. And there's always somebody before us that makes it possible for us to stand where we are. I heard a testimony earlier this week of a, of a grandma of a family who, who was praying consistently and, and this person had the honor of sharing that promise and that person is no longer here with us. That girl was no longer here with us. But this person who was sharing the testimony says she didn't get to see it. But I heard her prayers and I saw God's answer. She didn't get to see it. But there's pastors and worship leaders and pillars for Christ. And that generation that she was praying for, she didn't get to see it. But if it wasn't for her prayers, it may have never come to pass. Numbers 23, 19. You don't have to turn there. Numbers 23, 19. It says, God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. The one person who will always acknowledge what you do, church. Is God. God will always honor and reward those who can keep the faith. 
those who can hold steadfast to his word and to his will. It doesn't matter how big or how small you think your role may be. In his eyes, your work is valuable. When your heart is persistent, when your heart is pure, when your heart is consistently chasing after him and knowing, God, this is for you. I want to honor you. I want to serve you. I want to be faithful to you. He will always honor them. Ask the worship team to come. Sometimes it's it's hard to hear and hard to think of that we may not see the promise, right? And it's not that God won't complete it. It's not that He changed His mind or that He's not going to make a way. But are we okay? And are we? willing to be the first are we willing to be somebody who lays the foundation for the person who comes after us to be greater than we were for the person to come after us to live in the blessing that the lord promised you sometimes he'll give us that promise and plant it in our hearts because we have to have to be the one who help and instruct the generation that comes after us Again, sometimes it's hard to think, well, God, you you, you promised me that this was going to happen. You gave me that word. You told me this would come to pass. You told me I was going to get this. And we have to be okay. We have to trust God and know that even if it doesn't happen in our timing, and sometimes, God forbid, it may not happen in our lifetime, you have to know and trust and believe in the Lord that the work that you're doing is not in vain. The work that you're doing has a purpose. The work that you're doing has an impact. And the work that you're doing will help the promise come to pass. I'm going to ask that we stand this morning as we open the altars. I don't want to make a specific altar call. I don't want to single people out or say, if you have a promise, come fight for your promise. I just want to open the altar and so if you're, if you're willing and able and you want to come have some intimate prayer time with God, you can. I will ask that if you are waiting on a promise or you feel like God hasn't answered or made a way or you feel like God is silent, that you just come and speak to him as a child that you are. Just speak to him this morning. Right? It's not about the timing or it's not about what hasn't come to pass. Just pray for that peace throughout the journey. Maybe you need encouragement. Maybe you need fulfillment. Maybe you need him to reassure the will or the promise in your life. And so as a prayer team comes up here, if you need somebody to pray with or if you'd like the prayer team to, uh, to pray with you, they can. I just want to open up the altar this morning. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.